lovely stuff. <clears throat> hey, Danny, how you doing, man? Hello, Lewis. I'm well. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm exceptionally well because today we are joined by Kirsty. How you doing, Kirsty? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that was a nice good. awkward introduction. I like that we <laughs> we keep it strange. We keep it a bit awkward. Yeah. Well, there's no better way to do it, really. I don't think. No. Keep... No. We're, we're all all right. We're all doing yeah. well. That's we good. are. <laughs> keep the guests uncomfortable. That's my motto, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, you have to do an icebreaker at the start of every conversation to, to start the conversation. Then as you walk away, you say something upsetting to really reset <laughs> that ice. That's how you go interact with guests. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, so what we're doing today is a, is a wee uh, interview uh, with, with Kirsty, obviously. And uh, yeah, we just have some, some questions for you and answer them in any way you want. Um. Yeah, it's not a grilling. It's not a grilling no, no. at all. It'll be lovely. Oh. It's like tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine we're in Downton Abbey and yeah. it, we're sat there with, um, what's her name, Maggie Smith, and we're having some tea and cake yeah. and um, <laughs> we're not grilling you. No. Not at all. No, just some, some backhanded comments to, to question your self-confidence. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God, I'm sweating already. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, am I right to start us off, Lewis? Is that? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, how about first of all, though, uh, should we just quickly say, Kirsty, who are you? What do you do? T- tell who us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> who the hell are you, and why are we talking to you? <laughs> what are you here for? <laughs> what are you here for? What do you want? Uh, I'm here. Yeah, I don't know. Give myself a plug or something. I don't know. No, <laughs> um, I am. Well, I'm an actor. Um, I'm a writer, director, and I'm also a voice coach. So um, I'm hoping that it's not a jack of all trades, master of none type scenario. <laughs> but uh, we'll soon find out. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis held me back there. I was just wanting to get straight in. What is? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just completely ignore the subtext. But um, yeah. But uh, thanks for being here, well, Danny. I'll, I'll I'll set the dogs free. You are more than welcome to ask your first question now, Danny. Thank God. Um, <laughs> first question I have for you is uh, it's a big one. Um, what does acting mean to you? Oh, yeah, I mean, you're just starting off easy, aren't yeah. you? Deep end. <laughs> yeah, uh, after you've done with that one, what is the meaning of life? Yeah, yeah the big existential question, and it is, because I don't want to get all too deep and meaningful with all this, but um, it is a kind of lifeline for me anyway, uh-huh. um, in many ways, but ultimately I think, I think because it's about connection a lot for me, because it's hugely collaborative. You're you're working with so many different people to serve a story. Typically, that's how it works. Even when you're doing like one person shows and things like that, it's still hugely collaborative. Um, you're serving a story, and and for me, it's kind of about it's one of the best ways for me to be become present and go into moment by moment truth telling and be really just mm. in the moment and be completely present because. Um, and a lot of times in in life we we get in our heads and we get forward thinking or backwards thinking or whatever we do and Definitely. it's just a great way to ground and get present and service a story and explore different things. I mean, it's a way of connecting with other people and and when you connect with an audience because it depends on what you're working on. If you're working on a drama that's exploring um, really important issues and that resonates with someone and and 
you know, inspires them or motivates them or makes them think about something or makes them feel something. Or if you're just doing something that's purely for entertainment value, but you're making someone really laugh and you're bringing relief to their day and it's a way of really connecting both when you're actually working on the thing, let's say if it's for film or television and you're working with a, a, a crew and you know other cast members and you're working as part of a team and then when it goes out there there's that connection as well the connection it makes to the audience and and then you might get feedback on that um, mm. if you know and so it's really all of that combined and the just the sheer love and the joy and the play of it you know I mean it's what we when we were kids we just play you know yeah and it's I suppose mm. part of it's just to keep that going plus I was really attention seeking as a child and I don't <laughs> think it disappeared to be honest it's only grown grown <laughs> just grown yeah yeah definitely <laughs> that's brilliant um, I, I did, um what you were just uh, yes but also going back to what you were saying about um being a sort of a jack of all trades and all the rest of it we are aware that one of the of the many many things that you do one of those is as you work as a voice coach don't you yes I do yeah Mm. What um, what sort of um, propelled you into doing that? Was there something that sort of made you want to pick that specifically, or did it was it like an evolution? Or um, yeah, I mean, I was always interested in in voices as a kid. I was a real mm. mimic, and I loved accents and I loved different voices. And if I found something interesting in the way somebody said something, I would try and parrot it back exactly as they had said it. And I still do that. Um, and then I got the opportunity to take on additional voice electives during my acting training and sort of a, as, as a side training as additional courses and got really fascinated by it and really interested in it and then um, but didn't ever set out to, to coach in any way and then was asked to work with someone and it went really well and then they recommended me to someone else mm-hmm. they recommended me to someone else and so on and then someone else approached me and then I thought well this is actually taking all of that training that I've done alongside the work that I do as an actor um, and applying it and um, mm. it's a nice sort of thing to be doing you know alongside the other work that I do and it sort of links back to the other work that I do in some ways and it's not just you know um, voice coaching that I do I also do presentation skills training yeah. and I work with young actors as an acting coach as well um, so yeah it's, it's a really nice thing to do I've found and, and I get a lot of joy out of it well that's lovely I think it is a lovely thing when you sort of um you see all of your skills sort of come together and you think if only there was a way I could do all of these things that w- oh there is oh my goodness and then you sort of stumble into it that way it's such a lovely thing no definitely I mean in the yeah the evolution of like um doing voice coaching is there a particular accent that's very uh, difficult to to teach to try and get students to be engaged with? Um, I, th- I don't think from my perspective it's necessarily difficult to teach, but I would say the one that I think is more difficult for people to learn is probably within Scottish. <laughs> um, you know, um, particularly if they start to go for something that's really regional. Um, yeah. But even, even, even standard, like even what is now considered standard um, Scottish, I think is it's more difficult to get into that. It's easier for someone from Scotland to deviate than it is for someone to come into to the Scottish. I think that's the one that seems to take people the longest yeah. to to adjust to, uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, my Scottish accent is absolutely dreadful. Uh, <laughs> Dougie, Dougie's just put in the chat that he's a fifer. Um, so, well, there you go. 
Is he saying that Fife is a a hard accent to teach Dougie? <laughs> he certainly <laughs> seems to think so. <laughs> Um, uh, well, as, aside from your wonderful, wonderful work um, on uh, as a voice coach, <laughs> Dougie can apparently hardly do her accent, so <laughs> always worth bearing in mind. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, that's quite true of me as well, because this, vo- this that way that I'm speaking right now is really sort of my professional mm. voice, if you like. I mean, because mm. I am Glaswegian, and uh, so when I phone my mom, I'm like, I'm like listen, <laughs> by the way, just so you know, right? Just so you know, right, I, I've no forgotten where I've came from, right, Ma? I swear to Christ, I've no forgotten my roots, I promise you. And then <laughs> she digs me up for it, you, she digs me up for it all the when time. When you do an interview, you go very sort of, you know, it's it's very, um, very RP, RP Scottish. Well, well, my mum says to me, just don't get into that weird twang, that weird trans, <laughs> you sometimes get into this weird transatlantic twangy thing. And that's just no you. You need to still be you. Be you when you talk. Aye. And then so, um, but of course, because I work in elocution and things like that, if um, there, there just has to be a level of clarity that I am mm. trying to have a delicate balance yeah. with. But I am hugely connected <laughs> to my Glaswegian roots. I promise you, I love it. I'm proud to be Glaswegian. I swear to God, don't kill me. <laughs> um, it's... <laughs> No, I think um, it, there are lots of people, I think, that have sort of a similar sort of um, a tricky balance almost between different accents from different bits of their family. And it's like, how do I actually pronounce this word again? You see it written down in a book and you, how do I, what, yeah. how do I say that out loud? What does that actually mean? Uh, you, you sort of struck a really, a really interesting balance there, which I think is really cool. Um, so alongside the, um, the voice coaching, which I think we've well and truly established you are stupendous at, uh, <laughs> alongside the voice coaching, I understand you are... Um, uh, you are working on, have worked on. I'm not entirely sure have, how best to describe it because I think it's, yeah. But I, my point is that I think it's um, <laughs> it's one of those things you never stop working on, is it? Because you're always talking about it and thinking about it. A, a short film is the point that I'm trying to get around to slowly and eventually. Ah, uh, um, yes. Yes. Um, uh, well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I wrote and directed a short film about three or four years ago and um, that was something that just snowballed. I didn't actually set out to make a film and ended up making a film and then because of that I learned a lot from that process. I learned a lot about what not to do primarily Mm. and it made me really want to do another one. Um, The process itself was quite exhilarating and I was like, right, I want to do it again but I want to do it with a budget and I want to do it now having learned all of these things. so I sat down and wrote a script, but it's it's kind of been put on the back burner over and over again. And I feel like this poor script really needs to be resurrected and engaged with. And um, so my plan is, and I've made a kind of deal with myself and a promise to myself that I will make it next year. Come hell or high water, this film is getting made next year. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so that's the plan, is to make it and to make it with a budget. And um, mm. and it's a comedy this time, which is nice. It's a black comedy, oh, but it's it's got humour in it because the, the, the first film that I did was very bleak and there was no lightness in it at all. And, um, Sounds like Danny's kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> It just, <laughs> um, and those films have their place, but for me, I was mm. like, no, I need to find a way to bring some humour into this um, as well. So, yep. so that's the plan. The, that sounds lovely. The bleak kind of films belong in the public voice chat, and the comedy <laughs> and the sort of multifaceted ones on the void. You know, above the plebs, <laughs> above the plebs. <laughs> um, uh, like you were saying about uh, 
jack of all trades, master of none type thing. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to be really horrible and bog you down out of <sighs> acting, writing, directing, coaching. What do you find the most uh, rewarding and why? Well, it's always going to be acting first, isn't it? Um, yeah. That's what I started with. That's what I'll always, I'll always be an actor first. Well, I'll always want to work as an actor first, um, because I just get so much joy out of it selfishly, um, and so I guess for my own personal rewards that is what I love but there is also a certain reward that comes with coaching that I didn't really fully expect or appreciate until I started working with so many people and when you see you know the change that you're making for people you know especially when it comes to things like confidence or you know them being able to speak uh, you know do public speaking you know things like that where they might have had an anxiety around public speaking Mm, and a lack of a confidence or whatever and then now they actually look forward to it and they enjoy communication and they enjoy getting up there and and going to events and speaking uh, at events and things like that it can be quite life-changing for some people and that wasn't something that I I, you know was initially prepared for when I started that process and so that's been a huge reward on a personal level to see people achieve the goals that they set out to achieve um I imagine that it's very fulfilling yeah massively so and, mm. and you work with people for a certain length of time so it becomes quite personal and you, you develop a personal investment with people and a relationship with people and it's just it's just lovely it's just really really nice to sort of see people find their voice and Mm. align into themselves and it can get quite depthful and existential I mean people come to me for voice coaching and they're like I wasn't prepared for this Kirsty this is not (laughs) the road I thought I was going to go down with this here um you know because people have tension that they were never aware of you know they're not they're not in the right breathing you know so they're like a lot of things come out of it that surprise people in many ways and then it has a knock-on effect in other areas of their life you Mm. know it brings them into an alignment it gives them relaxation um you know even just learning diaphragmatic breathing and just that shift of breathing can be so helpful in so many areas not just when it comes to your voice and so i think things like that you know can be quite life-changing i suppose it Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, and you go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say. I suppose it, it you're completely on the money with 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 life changing. It's one of those things that um, you never really think about it until you have to think about it. Is how you communicate and how you talk and 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 putting the right words together and saying them in the right way and sort of thing. It's got a once you do take a step back and say, okay, let's not just do it. Let's think about it and let's take a step back and and think. It becomes really a powerful tool that you've got sort of on hand, which is quite a, a an amazing thing, really. I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think also just the connection that people make and what I what I mean I work in a very specific way. I work in a very intuitive way, um, and for me, you know, because we're using of ourselves and it is all kind of linked, body, mind, spirit. It's all connected. I'm kind of that coach, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of people are. I'm that one. But what happens is, especially with breath, because everything starts with breath. And when you come into that breathing and that alignment and you're releasing and you're getting rid of tension and actually what you're doing is getting out of your head and into your body. 
Um, so you're getting away from thinking and coming into feeling and especially with speaking because speech is habit forming and it's physical in nature and so what we're doing is shifting those habits and realigning and so we want to do that through the body um, utilising body and breath and Mm. so it's a feeling process and so I end up with all these little buzz phrases like feel it, don't think it and it's all about discovery and arrival in my process don't master and conquer Um, Mm. you know, stuff like that um, that's that's a common phrase in my house actually don't think just do is the, um, <laughs> the process of don't overthink it just do it just get stuck yeah. in and do something yeah yeah, yeah. It's, um, and speaking of those interesting little sort of uh, tidbits and stuff is there a particular little fact or a particular little tidbit that you really you find it really interesting or you find it really funny or you really make sure to say it to everybody or anything that sort of sticks out in your mind I mean, I think it's very much that about, you know, feel it, don't think it. And I Mm. think the thing about everything starting with breath as well. And I think the thing that I think other people find most interesting is how involved a process it can be. Because people come and they think, oh, she's going to tell me a couple of little things and I'll be on my way and it'll be fine. It's all good. They don't Mm. realise that they're actually shifting habits of a lifetime and um, that they're coming back into aligning themselves. Mm. And it's it's a much more depthful and personal process, even when you're just doing accent work. So even for actors who are coming to me just to add to their skill set, and do accent work, you know, that in in itself is just as involved in, in some ways. Yeah. And I think that's always a surprise um, to people. I mean, cause... I suppose it's like as if... So- sorry, go on Oh, now. sorry, mate. Um, I mean, because like, with accents, like, you're in like the sort of beginning steps of like, learning like, a different language as well as just like speaking differently because it's like an accent comes along with a language. So it must be... It's a lot more than just, you know... Oh, you just uh, say ah instead of ooh sometimes. You know, it's it's a lot more fundamental, I would think, than people. Yeah, and I think, well, turns of phrase. I mean, I tell you, I'm a lot more funny in Glaswegian than that if I have an <laughs> RP, I tell you that. Uh, it's just the way things are phrased. But I think also where English is a second language for people, it's even a longer, more lengthy process for them because rhythmically it's very different. Um so the musicality of the accent, the attitude of accent is another thing that we have to consider. Um, you know, oral posture, um, things like that. So it is it is like learning a language in a way. You're absolutely right about that. And um, so it is, it is rather involved. Yeah, and that's really interesting, that thing you said about um, the musicality of a language. And the, it's something I'd never considered before, but... Yeah, obviously. Do you know what I mean? It's something that I've I've literally never considered before. I did an A level in Spanish for God's sake, and <laughs> it's just just something I I never considered. Yeah, there is a different rhythm and there is a different musicality to different languages and different dialects, even within English or within any other language. It's really interesting to think about. Oh, massively. I mean, you compare and contrast two widely different, you know, accents. You know, from a Glaswegian accent to a London accent. You know, is yeah. rhythmically they're very different. Mm. And even the attitude of accent is different. And so, you know, those things have to sort of be considered as well. And sometimes people can't get out of their own rhythm. So they can understand Mm. all the individual sound placements and we could go on and on about phonetics and all that stuff. But as well, that shift of their own natural rhythm um, is another aspect to the process. Just, Mm. it's interesting you say that. Is there like a particular sort of habit that's difficult to get? I I mean, I, I don't... 
I don't know the majority of, of like clients that you, you teach, but is there like, if someone's like Glaswegian, is there a particular habit trying to teach them a different accent that they can't always quit? Well, it usually what the biggest issue for people is, is what happens with tongue articulation and how we use... You know, like saying Glaswegian, right? So I went right into my Glaswegian oh, yeah. there, right? So what happens here with that, right? I only use, like, the middle of my tongue for everything, really. I don't really... I'm not really using much else. It's gone into quite a uvula place as well. So yeah. the other thing with that is, is, like, it's F's instead of THs. So thing, something, thing, uh, with. It's all F's instead of... So people who have that speech habit of trying to arrive at a TH or... R placement where the R retroflex R has never been in operation so they don't use it and using that R placement because that's the muscle and the muscle can feel quite heavy at first and clunky um, trying to work with that um, so negotiating with tongue articulation is probably one of the biggest shifts yeah. that has to happen for people Definitely. that's really interesting the, the um yeah, it's <laughs> you hear words of um, things like um, what's the word I've heard? Oral posture and things like that, which it sounds like nonsense. But then you actually start to think about it, and yeah, you, it does make sense. Your teeth, your 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 tongue, your lips—they would all be in different positions for different accents, and it's such a funny thing to think about in a funny way. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, with like received pronunciation. Like I'll, I'll go into that, and I like contemporary RP. Um, the tongue isn't used a lot for like they drop ours a lot so there where square it's not there at all um you know you've got linking and intrusive r and stuff like that but the mm. tongue effectively is rather it's yeah. lazy and light and it moves very lightly and the tip and the blade of the tongue work very lightly um in its operation um it is in operation for certain placements but then you come into you come into glass region and everything the middle of the tongue <laughs> It gets used, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, your tongue's just working in a totally different way and then I've went into a total, totally different placement. And tonally, there's a tonal shift there that you can hear immediately, right? Mm. So if I'm speaking like this, you can hear where my, t- where my tone's gone, right? It's dropped right down. It's quite weighted. It's dropped right down. But then if I come into this placement, it's lifted up a little. Yeah. It's brighter, it's lighter, it's mm. more effortless. Um, it's just a complete shift, it's just we're um, we're so angry. Sorry, we're just so angry all the time. You know, we're just, <laughs> we're just no. I'll no. tell you what's happening. We're doing this and that shit, right? I mean, no, just... no, no. What it is is right because we've actually got we we've got a lot of forward and back. So that's why we get labelled angry and friendly at the same time. Yeah. Because um, we've got these nice open placements like I is nice and open and at the back, and then we've got the the shorter sharp vowels like ow and o and yep. oos that come right forward in the mouth. So we're doing a lot of backwards and forwards. So that's why we're labelled as both angry and friendly at the same time. I think. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been aggressively like told I'll get you a drink. Like, shut up, mon, I'll get you a drink like that. Just like, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's nothing but kindness and friendship. But it feels yeah. as if you might glass me if I refuse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Um, it's quite amazing hearing you go back and forth so effortlessly between those two um, accents and dialects you're doing then. Is there one that, aside from your your native sort of uh, Glaswegian, is there one that you would consider yourself to be sort of most proficient in? 
Yeah, probably going into the contemporary RP again because I do it more than any other. Um, mm. Like I just did an audio book last week and the whole thing, the majority of the narration was in this accent and then mm. I'd have to switch into Scottish voices, but not my own Scottish accent, like um, a Dumfries and Galloway accent primarily. And uh, that was weird because to, be, sure. to be sitting in this accent as the dominant accent for the majority and then every so often you're popping out for a Scottish accent and even although I'm Scottish it's a Scottish accent that isn't mine that Mm. was a little bit of a head melt but I can sit in this accent rather comfortably and have Mm. whole full-scale conversations mainly because I do it all the time Uh, I work I work with it every single day now uh, Mm. because it's one it's one that people want to learn the most so I mean I could continue the rest of our conversation (laughs) in this accent if you want (laughs) It's um, it is certain. It's just because I, I adore audiobooks, generally speaking, and you've just completely opened my mind to the thought that yeah, there probably are a lot of audiobook um, narrators that are um, voice coaches or at the very least extreme students of voice coaches. Um, it, which like I just finished uh, listening to um, a series of books called Rivers of London, and um, the audiobook narrator somebody called Cobner Holbrook Smith, and he did these amazing voices, just so easily flicking back and forth between different types of dialogue and stuff, and it really is stunning to hear and impressive to consider the mastery of of, of essentially your mouth, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, which it really is impressive, I have to say. Definitely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in the conversation just a little bit um was there like you say that you're you're you've got a short film in in the works at the moment was there like a specific sort of catalyst for that specific idea that made you go yeah that's it i've got it i'm that's what i'm gonna sort of move forward with or had it it been a long while yeah, I mean, well, having made the other one, as I said, that was really bleak, and then I was like, right, I really want to write something funny, but I don't know if I can write funny. I don't know <laughs> if I put the if I put the pressure on myself. I was like, oh my god, the minute you try to be funny, you're just not. Do you know what I mean? It's alright. We're not very funny. No. And that hasn't stopped us. <laughs> so again, I actually started from this really dark place. I was like, well, what's a really difficult thing? Because I don't know. I just seem to have this sort of um, way of making things difficult for myself I like to be really hard on myself and just make things difficult so I was like what's the most challenging thing to write a comedy about well grief is not funny right so Mm. how do you make how do you make grief into something uh, funny um essentially and I played around with different ideas and then actually I became inspired by Jimmy White, the snooker player. And you're like, how, how do you get from that to Jimmy White? Well, uh, my friend told me that there's a there's an excerpt in his uh, biography um, about uh, when his brother died and how they took the corpse from the funeral home and brought the corpse home for an, uh, one last night of drinking and playing cards. Oh my God. And that kind of formulated, and then they got so wasted that they had to call a taxi to come and pick the body up and take it back to the morgue. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect. I was like, that's going to be the the sort of circumstances of which I'm going to create these characters and these circumstances, like, um, situation out of. So that sort of became my almost situation and then it just sort of spidered out from there into its own thing so it's it's it now in no way reflects jimmy white's story but Mm. it has that little kernel of inspiration taken from that into into these characters who are going through their own thing yeah that that's 
I'm sorry, I completely was not prepared for that <laughs> at all. It just completely melted my brain. It's like, I'm sorry, what? They took a corpse out for a night of drinking? <laughs> Christ! Yeah. Oh, crikey. Well, it's, yeah. you know, it's a money saver. I, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were saying, um, you were saying earlier you take sort of quite a, a holistic approach to, um, to uh, voice coaching and to sort of teaching people new accents about like, uh, you know, your, your voice is all of you and, and, and um, every little bit of your personality sort of comes through in what you say. Um, is there a way that you sort of, this is a strange question to ask because I'm not sure quite how I'm asking it, but um, is there a way that you would decide um, specifically how to get someone to that point of sort of holistically coaching them or how do you decide how to work with a specific client? I suppose is what I'm asking, even though I know the answer. Um, well, it's very instinctive and intuitive because everybody, mm. every person is in, is unique and individual and people learn in different ways. I mean, some people are really auditory and they find audio notes really helpful and audio mm. guides really helpful. Some people are really visual. They need visual guides, um, you know, and some people are very analytical. And so for me, like try, working with them, that takes a bit of negotiation mm. Um you know, and I always start with relaxation. Everything starts with relaxation. The more relaxed you are, the more flexibility and range of movement we have around your articulators, the easier everything becomes. Anything else, we can't really have tension, you know, because we're working with your muscles and we need everything to have that flexibility. So yeah. I, I, I sort of have a way of like introducing myself and my process to people and I'll say to them, look, relaxation is key to everything I do we get rid of judgment immediately because judgment is tension filled and it's negative and we want to just bring in an awareness having an awareness of where you are but without judgment and then also I find myself sort of saying to people quite a lot because a lot of people come in and they're quite result motivated you know they they came to get results they want results and they want to get it right but those things are outside of process so again something that I find myself saying a lot to people is that a result is an inevitability it's born out of process we arrive at results so you have to kind of trust the process trust yourself go into that and you will arrive at the results that you're looking for but if you're outside and you're analyzing and you're judging yourself and you're being hard on yourself because you didn't quite get it how you wanted to get it that mostly comes from the accent practice mm. elsewhere it's it's easier to navigate when we're shifting when we're working in vocal production, for example, we're changing in uh, something in a, in tonally or if we're working um, towards presentation skills training or anything like that, those things are a little bit easier to sort of release yourself into, whereas the accent work, there's a sense of, I've got to get this accent right. If I don't get it yeah. right, then what's the point? And what am I doing? And it's like, well, we can't really, we can't work that way. Well, I can't work that way. And I don't think it's helpful or effective for you to work that way. Mm -hmm. So... The first couple of sessions are really about helping people to relax and just go into a discovery mode and allow themselves to discover and arrive rather than try to master and conquer. I mean, if you think even about our use of vocabulary, if you think about how heavy and hard those words are, master and conquer, it's like, it's just it's not helpful. Yeah. It's just filled with tension and work. Um, I don't even like that word work. It's about effortless ease. We want yeah. to bring effortless ease to the process. So those are things that I do as a blanket general across the board for everyone. But then one-to-one -one, I really start to work with the person on how to best lead them to that point 
how to get them to that point of ease, how to get them to that point of relaxation. And different things will work for different people, even in the way in which I explain things, because some people, they need a visual or, you know, direction really helps sometimes, direction of sound, that can be really useful for people. So it's figuring people out and for me to then be adaptable and flexible to them. And then sometimes it's just accepting that, I'm not always going to be the right coach for everybody yeah. because, mm. you know, personality clashes and and different things like that. So, um, you know, nine times out of ten, it works out really well and, and, and I work really well with people. But occasionally, sometimes I'll feel I'll feel it myself. I'm like, mm, I'm not for you and yeah. you're not for me. And there's just, you, you know, and I'll say that and I'll be like, I think, you know, here are some alternatives that I oh. can suggest because mm. you've got to be honest. It's a very, very personal thing. Um, essentially uh, when you work with someone uh, especially one to one and you're going to be seeing them once a week or, or whatever um, um, but for the most part yeah it, it's it's a, it's that just kind of for me to be as adaptable and flexible to the person that I'm working with so that they hmm. get the best out of things and I, I always encourage communication so I'm like if something's not working for you if, you, if you're not feeling it if, 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 you, if I'm misdirecting you or whatever you need to let me know um, because that way we can have a communication about what you need because yeah. I need to mm. be in line with your objectives the whole way through because this is for you and this is your time and so we have to be in agreement that we're leading you to, to where you want to go ultimately. That's such a lovely um, a lovely way to put it. The um, results are achieved through progress. Progress is, sorry, I'm, yeah, sorry, hang on, yeah. Results are inevitable and progress is sort of how we get there. That's such a lovely way to think about it. I really like that. Yeah, it's all it's all about the process itself, and again, mm. that's about getting present, which um, which is what I'm all about. Um, mm. You have to just be present with what's happening in that particular moment, and you'll arrive at the next moment and the next moment. Um, yeah, Lewis is going to use that. Lewis is like actually <laughs> just going to take that and let me like yes, well, you know, I can't. What was it? Uh, work. Uh, our success is inevitable. Progress gets us there. I can't remember. So a result, a result is an inevitability. It's born. It's born out of process. Um, so we have to become process motivated rather than result driven. Yeah. Um, mm. We have to be process driven. Um, you know, it's the same for it's the same for acting. To be honest, yeah. you know, if you're in a scene with someone, you can't be thinking about how good is a scene going. Uh, how is this? How is this being received? How how is this going to mm. look on camera? Or uh, does the director think I'm good? No, because mm. then that's you just doing a scene. You're not in that moment, not moment yeah. to moment, truth telling, listening, responding, in the moment. You know, uh, you know, and so it's the same. It's the same there. You've got to be just in it, yeah. completely present in the moment, mm. and that's what's so exhilarating. Um, Dougie just said you know, uh, writing as well. And that's absolutely mm. true. Um, yeah. You can't be worrying about, oh, is this script any good? It's more about, you know, what are the characters feeling, whether they, you mm, know, mm. are doing what they're supposed to be doing, what their motivations are and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's um, on that same vein. There's this, I think it was a brilliant quote from, I think it was Stephen King. It's, um, I didn't expect the good guys to win in Salem's Lot. 
I, I didn't, and then I wrote it, and they did. Yeah. I think it's, that's about being at the truth of the moment and being like, um, yeah, well, let's just get through it. Let's just make the progress. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, because that's discovery, right? That's discovery mm. and arrival. You make a yeah. discovery in the moment, and that makes you arrive at something that you weren't expecting, mm. and that's really exciting. And and then there are life parallels with that because in life, that's a more exhilarating way to live is just to kind of discover through living and through life like how did i get here what in the earth is happening yeah. isn't this cool like wow yeah one of my yeah. a million 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 years ago there was some bacteria and now i'm here <laughs> in my house yeah what, the, what, what? what the hell like what one one of my favorite one of my favorite writers um george rr R. martin says that he writes like a gardener so that he he had this like uh huge um plan for a game of thrones and a, a specific character in it was just going to kill everyone and let, let, you know, be an absolute arse. And eventually, as you do, yeah, as you do. He, he eventually became yep. one of the most complicated and let nice people in the entire series. So it's like, you know, it, it, he did something that he wasn't expecting and it just take, it just took him to that place because he didn't say, well, this needs to happen. There needs to be big explosions and stuff. It was mm. more about the characters leading the way and the truth leading the way rather than, you know, artificial stuff. So, Indeed. Yeah. Oh, I got very deep. No, oh, I did. Well, you did say so. I don't want it to get too deep. And then it's like, well, the truth. Oh, um, listen, I'm sorry. That always happens with me. It's an affliction. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> Ask anybody that talks to me. They're like, oh, here she goes again. It's all deep and meaningful again. Yeah, I, disgusting. You, you know, you're at the McDonald's drive-through. It's like, ma'am, I'm just trying to give you your food here. Can you just can we call it a day? <laughs> um, what is I don't need to a burger? Really? <laughs> oh man. Um, I have. I think we're we're on to our uh, last question, and it's uh, it's probably it's probably going to be quite a deep question. Um, in terms of like inspiration and stuff. Can you like give us a rogues gallery of any writers, directors, or creatives that inspired you to to act, to write, to teach? Oh, inspired me to write, direct. Oh my god, <laughs> we could be here all day. It could be from like, anyone, uh, anyone at like, all. I tell you what, I'll talk a little tiny little bit about where I get a lot of my inspiration from, uh-huh. and then yeah. I'll talk about people that I've worked with that I think are really on it and are brilliant, right? So just very briefly, because I think people who who know me know that I'm a massive Rocky fan, right? Um, <laughs> and nobody's expecting that from an actor or a writer, right? They're like, what are we talking about? What? So uh, to the point where my dog's name is Adrian, her full name is Adrian Balboa, what? that is my dog's name. Wow. Uh, so that I could shout, yo, Adrian, in the street, you know? <laughs> And no one would think I was crazy for doing so. Um, but no, like, um, I discovered Rocky when I was really young. Um, and, yeah, it was when I was going through a bit of a tough time. And I think it's one of those films and then the franchise itself. There's a lot of inspiration in it in terms of even just how it got made itself mm-hmm. and that whole underdog mm. mentality and how people just want their opportunity to see if they can achieve something or not. Yeah. Everybody can identify with that. Uh, everybody just wants to go the distance, you know. Um, and so there's a 
there's always something else that I can sort of garner from those films that to me is is inspiring, you know. Um, you know, when you get to Balboa and he's talking about the stuff in the basement, man, my basement is full, you know. Um, <laughs> truly, it, it's magnificent. So I do find, you know, Sylvester Stallone rather inspiring with that, what, mm. what he managed to do with that because I think it's one of those that has just stood the test of time mm-hmm. over and over and over again to the point where he's now doing a director's cut on Rocky IV. Wow. And and he's redoing it, and it's incredible. Um, So I know that's a bit out of left field, but there you go. Um, In terms of... the thing about inspiration is it just hits you in the middle of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah, you know. Wow, look at that lamppost. And then you've written a play. (laughs) Then you've written the Chronicles of Narnia. Um. (laughs) But um, so, I mean, he says himself they're not, they're not sports films, they're dramas. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think, um, especially the first one for me, um, it has so much grit and life in it. And um, so, yeah. Um, but I'm lucky as well as an actor that I've gotten to work with people several times. Like, people ca- ask me back, which is always reassuring. It's nice to be asked back. Um, and I'd say that I would, I'd probably like to talk about people that are ones to watch, people that you need to keep your eye out for like um i love i love I take some notes then yeah well I, I really love james price and it's dangerous mm. and i don't know if i should say this out loud and admit this but i'm gonna do it anyway because uh, it's dangerous because basically with james i believe in his work so much that if he was to ask me to do something I, he wouldn't have to tell me what it was he wouldn't have to finish the sentence i'd be like i'm there wow you don't have mm. to say custody this is what it is and this is what you'll do i'd be like no you asked me to do something it's yours you've written it i'm there yeah, hundred uh, percent. Um, I just think he's he's brilliant. Um, and I think he's definitely one to be on the watch for. Um, mm. the first thing I has that I worked on was actually um through uh something he'd written. Dropping off Michael it came through Jump Cut, and he'd written it, but Zam Salim was directing it, and I'd worked with Zam before on a feature called Up There. Um, and so was brought in that way and I was really excited because it meant I was getting to work with Brian McCarthy who I just think is amazing and mm. I, was, I was excited to learn from him so but that was my first introduction to James's writing and then I got the opportunity to submit a self-tape for Boys Night and honestly again I've never been so stressed out about submitting a tape because I really <laughs> wanted to do it and mm. you know, to the point where I was asking my mate Dave, who was producing it, going, "Do I need to do this again?" Or I'm not sure about this tape, and and I don't normally get like that about self tapes and things. I kind of mm. once it's in, it's it's done and that's it. But mm-hmm. I think for me, it was just something I really wanted to do, and I think there was a slight sort of um, anticipation around it because I knew it was based on events from his actual life and I was playing a version of his mother which was like I still don't know what she thinks to be wow. honest I'm hoping that she's not wanting to hunt me down and, and kill me for it. <laughs> I'm like oh no uh, um, but it was brilliant because I got to work with Cameron and Jack and um, who's just a phenomenal actor and a brilliant guy and then uh, Kyle Gordon who uh, that's an up-and-coming young talented boy um, See, boy, he's getting he's getting older by the minute. He's grown up now. Seventy two. Um, <laughs> but so that was just brilliant to be part of. So um, I'm keen to um, see what he does, and I'll always support everything he does because I do think that he's got he's he's very. You can tell that. Well, I can sort of see now, and he's writing like, yeah, that's that's James Price writing. That's him. That's unique yeah. and special and beautiful. Um, 
And then to go stylistically completely in a different direction, um, there's a visual artist, Rachel McLean, that I've done a lot of voice work for. Uh, she's another one that would just say, uh, can you do this? And without telling me what it is, I would be there in a heartbeat just to do it. Mm. Um, I've also been in front of the camera for her on a short film called The Weepers and in a feature film, uh, Make Me Up, which she directed. Um, but she does a lot of her own performance so I would provide voice and she would lip sync to to the voice but her work is very again very uniquely hers and wonderful mm. and beautiful and brilliant um, and um, completely tonally and stylistically different from James but again it's so authentically hard that it's just fabulous yeah um, so I'd say within that and then there are just certain people that I've loved to work with that I, again yeah. if they ask me like Robert and Ian from Burniston if they ask me to do something yeah. I, again I wouldn't again I wouldn't ask why this is dangerous just turning around saying <laughs> I don't even need to know what it is guys Nothing. I'll be there I, if you need me I'm there um, but that comes from from having that previous experience with them and, and believing in them and, and the fact that they've shown belief in me to have worked with me before and you kind of it's nice when you can develop those kinds of working relationships and um and personal relationships as well they become friends and um and that's just a lovely lovely thing um when that happens absolutely mm -hmm. well um yes i think we've managed to get through all of our I questions th I think just about yeah um, that's amazing <laughs> well i mean thanks so much uh, for coming on yes, and, and, and listening to our uh, ramblings. Uh, um, <laughs> what we what we normally do now is we we go to the the shilling section of of the podcast and just shamelessly yeah, and we read mercilessly out. shill everything yeah, that we have and do. absolutely. Yeah. Have you got any shilling that you would like to do, Kirsty? Before we any shilling of what you mean, like stuff just that people anything. should keep an eye out of me. You mean yep, is yep. that what you're saying? Yep. Just plug is away. That... Um, at the moment, you'll catch me on Guilt. I was lucky enough to be in that. Um, that's directed by Pat Harkins, who I've also had the privilege of working with twice. Um, mm. It's brilliant, if you've not seen it. Um, you can catch Annika as well on Catch Up, I think, through the... I was in episode one of that, if you want to catch it. Um, you can visit my website, although I'm fully booked right into the new year for coaching. <laughs> I don't have any spaces wow. till January. Fantastic. Um, but, you know, there's that. And um, yeah, um, I will be um, running, I'll be posting information about the short uh, as and when um, and starting to make moves on doing that short. So keep an eye out for that. Brilliant. Okay, um, good stuff. <laughs> Lewis, have we got any shilling? We always have a bit of shilling. Yeah. Go on, let's keep it light. Let's keep it quick. Yeah. Do the, the compressed version. Uh, we're on <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that rubbish. Uh, Give us a like, give us a comment, give us a wee cheeky smile, and off you go. Uh, we want to thank our uh, wonderful, wonderful patrons, as we do every week, because they keep the lights on here. Uh, um, the Void Towers, the void tower, <laughs> which yeah. is my house and Danny's house. <laughs> yep. Um, so I'll just I'll read out uh, their wonderful names. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. I've said Darius. Natalie. Thank you. <laughs> and Dougie, who's in the chat. Thank you very much. One and all. Dougie is in the chat. He's been listening along live. 
Uh, yeah, if you would like to support the show, go to uh, patreon.com slash shouting into the void. You can see what we do and you can and you can support us a little bit there. And um, I think that is everything yes, now. Um, so. so we can say thank you very much again to our patrons and thank you very much to Kirsty for joining us and um, answering our ridiculous and complicated <laughs> and stupid questions. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you for our lovely chat. It's been lovely. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you don't need to lie, Kirsty. Come on, you can. can hey. <laughs> it was awful. Christ, the pain. <laughs> no, honestly, brilliant. brilliant. Thank you. Um, well, thanks very much for listening and watching, folks, and we will see you next time. Indeed, we will. Thank you very much for listening. 